Welcome to HealthCast. I'm your host, Melissa Harris, and this is the second part of our Mental Health in the Age of COVID-19 miniseries. Last episode, my co-host, Faith Ryan, talked to Dr. Nora Valko, the director of the National Institute of Drug Abuse. Dr. Valko touched upon coping with COVID-19 on top of pre-existing mental health and addiction crises, as well as the technological and telehealth solutions that providers and individuals struggling with substance abuse disorders are turning to. Dr. Valko pointed to how science will be the light that gets us out of this pandemic and all of the problems that COVID-19 has brought with it. As we continued our mini-series, talking to more mental health and technical professionals, Dr. Valko's words continue to ring true. In this episode, I was joined by Dr. Kelly Blasco, a clinical psychologist and mobile health clinical integration lead for the Defense Health Agency Connected Health Branch. Her office has developed several apps to provide mental health tools for military health beneficiaries. And in this interview, we discussed the intent of those apps, how they're helping their users through the pandemic, and the future of integrating health apps into clinical care. Hello, Dr. Blasco. Thank you for joining us on HealthCast. I guess, did you just want to start by telling me a little bit about your role at the Defense Health Agency's Connected Health Branch? What are your main responsibilities and the programs you oversee? Well, thank you, Melissa, for having me. It's quite an honor to be able to talk about something I'm so passionate about. As the lead for M Health Clinical Integration, my main responsibilities are to work with clinicians across the Defense Health Agency to gather their requirements for mobile apps, websites, and even podcasts. I also manage sustainment of apps that right now are mostly uh, behavioral health apps, and I run the Defense Health Agency. Agency Usability Lab, and also do other various innovation projects. So I'm very lucky to have a lot of things to do. And also, I failed to mention that these are all resources that are available to service members, veterans, their families, in many cases, healthcare providers. Awesome. And since you're also a counseling psychologist by trade, can you tell me a little bit about how you got from counseling to developing mobile and web apps? Sure. Well, I actually have a hidden past. My undergraduate was in electrical engineering, and for about 15 years, I worked in the area of telecommunications when things were just starting to grow. And I also was very interested in psychology, so I went back to school a little later in life and got a psychology degree. And I've been very fortunate to work for Connected Health because it brings together both those skill sets. And I just really love taking like clinical interventions or clinical work and translating that into a M Health tool for our beneficiaries. That's definitely unique. And since the Connected Health branch has created and sustained a number of apps now to provide a variety of virtual mental health resources for military health beneficiaries, can you tell me a little bit about the apps like the Virtual Hope Box, Breathe to Relax, and T2 Mood Tracker? How do they work and what do you think the users think of them? Well, actually, they are mental health apps. These were really one of the first three apps that were developed starting back in 2010. They're designed for self-care, these particular ones around mental health. And they were designed on mobile health because of the stigma associated with seeking care for mental health. 
T2 Mode Tracker was the first one, and it was really designed because a lot of times when patients come in to see someone like myself, I had asked them to kind of track their mood through the week or two weeks, and often that gets put by the wayside, and T2 Mood Tracker was a good way for people to be reminded to track their moods so that when we work together, I could look at you know how they were doing. Breathe to Relax is really important in that it teaches one skill, diaphragmatic breathing that can be applied to many different mental health conditions like anxiety, depression, stress. And finally, Virtual Hope Box, which is one of my personal favorites because it really teaches positive coping. All of us have those bad moments and what Virtual Hope Box does is it provides us things that could provide us hope or to get through that time. So things like having reminders of what our loved ones you know, happy times in our lives, and even distractors like simple games that can kind of shift your mood. So then, uh, you know, you can then reach out to get more support or help at that time. How did your office determine that the virtual hope box and those other apps would be useful for DHA's user base? I know that human-centered design is a really big component of any sort of digital service. So it'd be great to hear a little bit about that. Sure. So first we had to identify kind of what are some of the clinical needs. And as you're aware, there's been a lot of research related to service members and deployments as well as military life. And also, as I mentioned about the stigma associated with behavioral health. So we wanted to really provide a tool that's really specific to those challenges. So whether it's stress, anxiety, depression, and those types of illnesses. So we start with that idea and then we put together the app, like the capabilities. And on all our apps, we actually have, as I mentioned, a DHA usability lab and we bring service members, their family members, even kids for some of our products into our usability lab or we go and visit them on their site and run tests with them to make sure that they're easy to use, they make sense, they're relevant to their life. And then we incorporate all that information into development. We try to do that early on in development so that, you know, the right app is developed by the end as opposed to waiting till it's developed and then fixing it. So we're very fortunate to be located on Joint Base Lewis-McChord. So that gives us a real large pool of service members and different types of all age ranges, retirees, all kinds of things so that we can better design our apps for those folks. Excellent. And do you happen to have any stories maybe from users that you can share about how these apps have helped the people they're designed for? Yeah, actually, just want to mention that we get regular feedback from the app stores. And so we track that all the time. And we really get a lot of positive comments on all our apps, the basic and the three that you mentioned. But several times we've had some really interesting feedback and one in particular with the virtual hope box. And this was a little bit actually one very close after it was launched. And a service member wrote to us and said that he had had a really bad time and was even considering suicide. And he had found the virtual hope box 
and downloaded it and actually used it. And he really spoke to how helpful it was to him. And it got him into a frame of reference so he could actually reach out to help. And he was very appreciative and thankful because it really made a difference in his life. And that one is probably the most marked feedback that really drives a lot of what we do. We want to give these tools to our service members and their families so they can live a very happy and productive life. And when we get feedback like that, it really means a lot. And we know we're doing the right thing. Wow, that's definitely impactful. And right now, you know, even with the coronavirus situation we're facing, there's been this huge push for physical isolation. And, you know, on one hand, this has meant that people are facing even more loneliness and tensions with loved ones at home and mental strains from all sorts of sudden life changes. And now government officials and medical providers have been pushing for more mobile apps to help monitor patients and for people to self-help themselves and more telehealth to maintain those social distancing measures. Can you explain the value of telehealth and mobile apps like the ones you've overseen in this moment and maybe within this moment of coronavirus and then also more broadly? Sure, sure. So, you know, both telehealth and mobile health or mobile apps have been two ways that we can provide access to care. And also, like you're saying, with social distancing, it's important to have both these types of technologies available. And in both cases, they connect people to resources, whether it's a provider, like in the case of telehealth, or some type of skill or support that they can use in their daily life. Now, mobile apps are much more focused on developing a skill and self-care. And of course, that is helpful for all of us. But right now, it's been particularly helpful for our healthcare providers. As you know, our healthcare providers are going all out to help with triaging and assessing patients that may or may not have COVID-19. Healthcare providers in general are very giving folks, but it's just been an incredible amount of burden on them to be seeing such an influx of changes. So we put together actually a provider resilience toolkit that recommends certain apps for providers, but really the base are to have them recognize symptoms and then take a self-care break. And that can be any kind of break, but in particular, we recommended Breathe to Relax, Virtual Hope Box, and an app called Provider Resilience that helps them check in on their resilience from a day-to-day basis as well as some podcasts, a podcast military meditation coach. So we're hoping with this suite of apps that providers and even any kind of someone in that type of work, that they can actually use those to, you know, maintain their resilience and keep up with the demands that are placed on their time. And I'm wondering with the apps that your office has overseen, Has there been any changes in their use since coronavirus hit the country? Yes, actually, we've noticed some increases in downloads of these apps. One most particularly with Breathe to Relax. And it's also as people are learning self-care practices and that these can be helpful to teach them a skill. You know, word of mouth is also a really good mechanism for people to learn about the apps. So 
really the emphasis has been on self-care because of all the reasons you were talking about isolation, you know, being put in situations where you're with your family all the time or you're alone at home or all kinds of things like that. And it's just been really nice that some basic capabilities that have been developed for quite some time are really being applied in this unique situation. And with the apps that your branch has developed, how can the app users integrate what they track themselves, professional care that they seek from clinicians or mental health specialists after getting to know maybe what's wrong with them or with other conditions that they might be falling into and seek the apps for initial help? Yeah, that's a really good question. As we've been talking, we've been talking about self-care, but that takes a lot of, a little bit knowledge on the part of the user to know what types of self-care and when. So one of the nice things is that they can work with a mental health provider or even a primary care physician to know exactly when these tools might be most helpful to them in their unique life. So for example, some patient with anxiety that I might see, I recommend breathe to relax, but also I might have someone who's in a very stressful situation with their family that I can recommend the same tool. And the other part of it is that a healthcare provider has the knowledge and the context to know which things would meet with their therapy goals with a particular patient and their trusted source. So patients may be more likely and more compliant with using an app to help their daily life. To pivot a little bit away from the user and to the greater image of creating these apps and maintaining them, I know that government agencies often look to industry when they create programs and applications. Does your office look to industry at all? And if so, what does that collaboration look like? Yeah, so we keep up with most industry trends. I mean, as a team, DHA definitely with our developers there within forums within the industry around standardization. You know, we keep up as a clinician with advances in clinical care so that we're making sure that we're, you know, incorporating all that information. And with that, both technology and clinical partnerships, we can translate the new clinical needs to new technologies. One partnership or partnerships that are really a large part of what we do is actually working with other federal agencies. Many of the government agencies, particularly around health, are doing lots of different work in different clinical areas. So we want to learn from them, for example, from the VA or SAMHSA, and they learn from us. And as a whole, then we're really helping the general public, as well as in our case, a service member providers, family members, and so on. Looking forward, what do you think that the future for mobile mental health and telehealth holds now that especially people are leaning on them as they're grappling with coronavirus? What technologies will help organizations like yours get to the future if it's interoperability, greater data analytics, or telecommunications? 
Yes. So clearly mobile health and telehealth are not going away. (laughs) Actually, COVID-19 has even reinforced that, that these are really helpful and important tools in healthcare delivery. One of the areas that we're focusing on within the Defense Health Agency is, you know, our focus was originally on behavioral health for both these applications, but we're really expanding our aperture to include other clinical areas. So for example, we have women and infants clinical community and we've developed an app around contraception, decide and be ready. And so that takes it just beyond behavioral health into another clinical area. Another area you mentioned interoperability and as the electronic health record is being deployed, rolled out across the military health system, we're really having to evolve our mobile health and telehealth health solutions to be able to be interoperable with the electronic health record. And the other nice thing about the electronic health record is that that gives us a lot of data to inform our clinical care. So then in turn, that enables us to pick the right mobile health tools or technology to meet the needs of our patients. So all those areas that you mentioned are really important considerations as we move forward with telehealth and mobile health. You also talked about the podcast that your office offers. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? We actually have three different podcasts. I mentioned Military Meditation Coach, but we have two others that are helpful to our beneficiaries. One is A Better Night's Sleep. I don't think many people say, oh, I had the best night's sleep all the time. And there's many factors that can influence our sleep and in particular now. So this podcast is set up to interview sleep experts, Dr. Julie Kinn and various experts across the military health system and talk about treatments, kind of tips, that kind of thing. And then the other one we have is a living beyond pain, which is really when you're having flare-ups around pain, how to cope in those circumstances. And to be honest with you, I don't know about you, but I have had pain from sitting so much while I'm teleworking. So that's definitely a podcast I would consider using. Yeah, I could definitely use that. I think that sitting at home all day definitely wears on your body and mind. So thanks for the suggestion. And you also talked briefly about how the mobile apps that your office manages can fit into patients' care with providers, but you also have some tips for getting the clinicians set up to integrate those mobile apps into their practices, right? Yes. Actually, it's a really good part of what we do. We run an education and training program for providers on how to use mobile health. And it's not just how to use a specific app, but some of the competencies that are needed when you're introducing an app to a patient. For example, you know, what data is being stored on their phone or what is being sent or security issues, actually how to actually physically introduce an app, like for example, not just grabbing someone's phone and showing them or or just simple tips like that. Plus under what kind of clinical situations specific apps might be. There are a few companion apps that we have. One is called Dream Easy, which helps with re-imaging therapy related to nightmares. And so that is something that can be a tool that can be used with patients using that type of treatment. 
those are just some of the capabilities that we have within Connected Health because we need to take the step into the clinical world in order for our patients to know how and when to use the apps. Definitely, especially since care is a two-way street between the patient and provider. Yes. Actually, we have a whole section within Connected Health called Education and Training, and it's designed to help providers actually introduce apps into their care. It's not really focused on how to use a specific app, but more around the competencies that you would need to introduce an app. For example, you know, what data is going to be stored on the patient's phone? What data is going to be shared, security, what metrics might be collected, as well as under what circumstances you might want to use the app. For example, we have Dream Easy app that a provider can use to help patients when they're having nightmares. And they can lead them through the app so that they can take it home, try out some of the skills and come back and work with the provider on, you know, the particular therapy that it recommends. So anyway, that's an overview of kind of how we get providers to learn how to use apps and some of the more fine points that people don't think about when introducing them into care. Thank you for all of your work and for joining us on HealthCast. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. As I said in the beginning, this is one of my passions and I really love the work that I do. And it's really rewarding because I think on a daily basis, I see the impact it makes within the military health system. And even more so now with COVID-19, the awareness has been even that more heightened. And I think it's going to take us beyond where we are now. So thanks again, Melissa. I really appreciate being a part of this. HealthCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentciomedia.com slash podcasts. If you liked what you heard, let us know by leaving a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. HealthCast is produced by Amy Kluber, hosted by Melissa Harris, Adam Patterson, and Faith Bryan. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsor at governmentcio.com.